This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 10th. Earlier today, J.D. Power released the results of its annual U.S. Sales Satisfaction Index study, which measures consumer satisfaction with the selling dealer among buyers who purchased or leased a new vehicle and also measures satisfaction with brands and dealerships that were shopped but ultimately rejected in favor of the selling dealership. What did the study reveal? According to Chris Sutton, Vice President of Automotive Retail at J.D. Power, overall satisfaction among U.S. consumers in 2021 versus 2020 stayed about the same. The most significant declines in satisfaction among the factors measured were associated with the dealer's website or facility. And Sutton is quick to point out those factors are also influenced by inventory, and the dips in satisfaction consumers report can largely be attributed to not being able to find new vehicles on the websites or the lots of the dealerships they choose to shop. Still, satisfaction increased among non-premium shoppers in areas that have been influenced by the pandemic and the adoption of more tools and processes that drive digital retailing, areas like paperwork completion and delivery process. Interestingly, those two factors fell among premium buyers, surprising given the white glove expectation that comes with buying a premium vehicle. And speaking of digital retailing tools, this year's study revealed that consumers that were able to review FNI products online were much more likely to buy versus those that did not. What else did this year's SSI study reveal? How satisfied are consumers with the trade-in value for their vehicles? And why is the dealer so important to influencing a consumer's decision to purchase an EV? We've caught up with J.D. Power Vice President of Automotive Retail Chris Sutton at his home office outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Chris, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thank you for joining me on the show. How are you? Great, Steve. Thanks so much for having us. Happy to be back and uh, speaking with you today. Absolutely. The sales satisfaction index study is always a hot topic, always interesting to our listeners. Why don't we start with, however, describing what the J.D. Power SSI study measures? Yes. So the 2021 J.D. Power sales satisfaction index, or as we call it SSI, it is based on feedback from 35,000 customers It measures feedback from buyers, people that bought at their selling dealership. We weight them at 75%. And then also we give rejectors, people that shopped and rejected a dealer, either online or in the store, at 25%. So within that broader area among buyers, the areas that we measure are facility. And within facility, we talk about inventory, right? So I know we're going to, I'm sure we'll talk about that today. It includes personnel, right? Sales consultant, what that experience looks like. We separately look at the negotiation and F&I process. And then finally, we look at the delivery experience within the broader sales experience. So overall, compared to last year, what are buyers saying regarding their satisfaction with the sales experience? Well, frankly, um, you know, this was a year that, uh, you know, personally, I was a little bit unsure. My guess was that based on the inventory situation that the uh, overall industry stores would, scores would be down a little bit. And, uh, you know, frankly, they were they were flat. The uh, non-premium segment 
is up a point. The premium segment's down nine points. But, you know, I would say given the industry situation, the industry SSI has held firm a little stronger than I might have thought, right, given where we're at. So, uh, you know, fairly flat, non-premium up a little bit. So there were a couple of dips in satisfaction. Can you talk about where exactly in the experience consumers were most dissatisfied and maybe what's behind that, what's driving that? Right. So keep in mind that we conducted this study in March through May of 2021 of this year, right? So in the time frame that we did the study, the inventory day supply went from 54 day supply in March down to 46 in May. And, you know, now we're at 23 at the end of September based on our pen data. So, you know, as we saw in the study, um, the areas that were troublesome for consumers, as you w- would expect, were the facility area, which for us includes inventory, right? When customers give feedback on the facility, it includes both facility and inventory. And within how they feel about the dealer website, that also includes a portion of a variety of online inventory. So anything inventory related really, really took a hit compared to uh, to last year, which was, you know, again, I think very reasonable. Such an interesting dynamic when it comes to inventory. A couple of weeks ago, I had a CEO of a dealer group on the show and also had Jeff Schuster from LMC on the show a couple of weeks ago. And both of them are agreed that inventory in the future is probably not going to be at the levels that we're used to. You know, they're not going to be at the 45, 50 day, 60 day level. They'll be much more. They'll be much less than that. And that's going to have an impact on consumers. I'm curious, in your point of view, do you think that this inventory issue is going to continue to be a dissatisfactory experience for consumers? Or do you think over time they're going to come to realize this and maybe uh, act a little bit, be a little bit more like European consumers who wait for vehicles, build their vehicles as they go? It's a great question, you know, and I I think it, you know, it almost takes a fundamental shift because the American consumer up until now, it has been uh, this idea of uh, I want the immediate gratification of seeing the vehicle that I identify on the lot. I've fallen in love with it and I I want that and I want it now, right? I don't want to even come back two days from now and take delivery. I want it right now. And so I think that'll require a little bit of a shift from the consumer to adapt that more ordering mentality. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable that uh, that maybe we don't go back to where we came from to the, with these, uh, you know, high day supplies. But, you know, 2022 day supply, that's that that's rough for the customer. It doesn't give them a lot of choice. So, yeah, yeah Absolutely. Still, we were talking about dissatisfaction, but when you look at the numbers, at least the numbers that I saw in advance of our conversation we're having today, in the non-premium segment, customers are more satisfied in some areas that are very much related to digital retailing, this this touchless type of service. How much has COVID and the push to digital retailing contributed to that satisfaction in those areas? It's a great point. You know, um, Honestly, you know, I think as we talked about last year, the industry was shifting this way anyway. You know, there's a lot of more emphasis on digital. It's how customers shop for everything else. 
Uh, COVID obviously accelerated that. And I think even over the last year, we've seen, uh, you know, the enhancements are these, the digital retail platforms have made a lot of enhancements with their uh, products and tools that really help stitch together an end-to-end experience a little better. But, you know, what we found this year was was pretty interesting. We, we really hadn't looked at it this in this way before, but we took a look around those customers that had a digital experience and then they went into the dealership and you know conducted some element of it whether it was you know finishing up their paperwork taking delivery in the store and those customers that were purely digital right that they and and honestly you know it's it's pretty impossible to be purely digital right it's like for most customers they did some activities online and then they talked with their sales consultant over the phone or they texted or emailed. So some combination of those, but we did see that the, for the customers that were purely remote customers, that they were incredibly satisfied, you know, their satisfaction was, you know, in our world, it goes from zero to a thousand and they were, you know, in the 900 range when they were able to conduct that experience completely remotely. And what we found, um, Somewhat remarkably, to be honest with you, is that the customers that did a lot of this work digitally and then still went into the store, you know, their their experience was better. Um, but one of the things that kept it from being better is they really didn't save that much time. You know, you would think they would have because mm-hmm. they did all this um, remotely. But by the time they went into the store, and I don't know whether it's you know, some of the same staff and concerns you hear in all industries, but the, you know, customers were still spending a couple, a couple hours in the store at least, and they weren't saving that much time. It's such an interesting proof point on why digital retailing is growing in importance in the automotive industry. I was looking at the data behind the premium shoppers, right? Folks that you might expect to get the white glove, red carpet treatment. And in these areas where the mass brand shoppers had a better experience, it seems that premium shoppers were less satisfied versus last year. Why is that? That was that was interesting and odd to me. Yeah, I think it was three things. Um, you know, the first is the inventory situation we talked about where it's not dramatic difference, but I think the the change in how the premium customer perceived available inventory dropped a little bit more incrementally, not a ton, but they seem to feel it more, maybe a little bit picky about exactly which vehicle they wanted contributed to that. Um, you know, the second area, which, you know, I had really thought about, but, you know, f- from the positive side, all these customers that have trade-ins they were pretty happy because they got more for their trade in than they thought. And, you know, that contributed to a 150 point increase for those customers. Hmm. And I think when we look at the premium side, you know, if you got a higher percentage of lease customers uh, that are just bringing the vehicle back and that probably they didn't uh, participate in that to the same degree that the uh, that the non-premium customer did. So I think that contributed to it as well. And the third piece is, you know, I think the facility amenities play a little bigger part for the, on the premium side. And those are, you know, they're they're probably still not quite back at 
pre-COVID levels. So the three of those, and again, nine points down, not a huge difference, but it was down a little bit. And I think those three contributed to that. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service link. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. trade-in topic is so interesting. Certainly used vehicles, the valuation of those are off the charts. When you look at this time or this study uh, two years from now or three years from now in that theme, that exploration of trade-ins, do you still think we're going to see this higher satisfaction for the value that consumers are getting for the trade-ins that they're seeing today? Yeah, that is the that's the million dollar question, right? So I think it's certainly reasonable to assume that that will factor in uh, at least into next year, right? There's not, you know, we don't see a a huge increase in the in, in inventory levels through the uh, first part of next year. So I think it's reasonable to assume, you know, two three years out, you'd assume that the buying patterns today and then trade in patterns should at least continues strong used vehicle values into that point. Um, and then I think after that, it's a, a function of, you know, you'd mentioned this discipline around keeping day supply lower. Mm-hmm. All it, all it takes is a couple to say, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to take the gloves off and go after it. That, that would upset that balance a little bit, but you know, you would think there's some good lessons learned here for sure. Everybody's making a lot of money and doing, doing pretty well. So yeah, absolutely. EVs, big topic right now. Lots of EVs coming out or, or slated to come out. But when you look at the the data from this year's study, there is an interesting difference in satisfaction among buyers shopping for EVs versus buyers shopping for cars powered by gasoline. What's behind that? Can you shed a little bit of light on those findings? If it is, yeah, that part is certainly a bit concerning. Uh, we measured the experience uh, you know, of all buyers, and then we're able to segment them into gasoline, hybrid, EVs, plug-ins, and uh, and on a, again on this a thousand point scale, the SSI buyer score of a tip of a traditional ICE vehicle was an eight forty nine. Um, the BEV buyer was an eight oh four. So almost, you know, fifty points, forty five points below. 
so it's pretty significantly less satisfied than this traditional ICE customer. And, you know, the area where we saw that manifested most was in personnel and specifically the uh, the perception of the dealership personnel, their vehicle knowledge and expertise, where the gasoline customer rated that an 8.77, the EV customer rated their salesperson knowledge a 7.76. So that's a big, that's a big difference. It's over, you know, it's over a little over a point difference. Well, it's, I mean, even going back to the inventory issue, and I don't know if you've got a point of view on this or not, but if you look at companies like Tesla, and, and I know Tesla is making its way into JD Power studies, quality, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a little bit different than the other brands for the access to data that JD Power has uh, relative to those other studies. But still, they are unofficial results in those in those other studies. And like Tesla or a Lucid or a Rivian, they're very much building a build-to-order model. Going back to that inventory issue, right? You don't go into these these showrooms that they have and and pick from what's on the lot. I think it's going to be an interesting trend to watch. That says when you marry EVs plus this build-to-order model that a lot of these new OEMs are taking, how that all impacts customer satisfaction and and customer you know experience and so on. Yeah, I, you know it's it's a great point um, when you talk about the difference in the buyers because we we see in our data and also just you know anecdotally conversations. I, I sure I'm sure you hear the same where you know when you ask talked about these digital customers, what we hear over and over we see it in the data too is that these BEV customers are so much more likely to want to transact digital digitally in terms of not only either ordering or finding the vehicle, but handling pricing, credit app, contracting online, than the traditional ICE customer. So I think that has a lot of implications for the customer experience. And then you combine, you know, just the idea that, you know, it's still 4% of the industry. So as a sales consultant, I've got a lot of other vehicles and types of other vehicles to think and worry about. And for that customer, they are going to be pretty knowledgeable about that vehicle, what they want. And, um, you know, so I think there's a gap between what the customer knows and what the dealer personnel knows that, you know, that that gap has got to get shortened. And I think there's also a lot of implications for the retailers in terms of not only knowing about the vehicle itself, but also all these related services. Look, if I drive from work from here to here, what are the charging stations and opportunities on that route? And they got to get versed in all that stuff. You know, it's not just the vehicle itself. It's the services, home charging opportunities. It's a, it's more complex than just the typical, you know, what's the horsepower and what's my fuel economy. Yeah, absolutely. And all of those things are very important to educating consumers and really dispelling the very real concerns many have about charging and convenience and and all of those things. Let's talk about the satisfaction beyond the vehicle itself and the shopping experience. How is digital retailing influencing consumers' purchase decision of F&I products that they might be interested in? Great topic. Um, That as we we showed last year uh, for the first time this year validated it, uh, I think continued it is, you know, the idea that customers, if they educate themselves uh, or have the opportunity to educate themselves on f and i products before interacting with the f and I manager, those customers are actually more likely 
to buy F&I products than the customer that kind of comes in cold, interacts with the F&I manager and has a chance to buy extended service contracts and, uh, you know, tire wheel, what have you. So, you know, I think it shows that when customers have this opportunity to educate themselves on not only what the products are, how they work, what the benefits of them are, what what's the pricing for that exact vehicle, it gives the, a better comfort level for them it increases their likelihood to buy. So to give you one stat, uh, for the customers that were able to review uh, extended warranty service contracts online, those customers bought service contracts 41% of the time. If they just interacted with the F&I manager without that, it was only 30%. So it drops 11 percentage points. And again, in the first example, it's not to say that they just bought the F&I products without interacting with an F&I manager, they did in every case. It's just this idea that they were able to review them in advance, look at them in their own time, maybe look at a video of how they work specifically. And it's like they were, they were more likely to buy. So why don't we close with what happens if consumers have a bad experience? How does that influence their ultimate decision to purchase a vehicle or not? It's great. Uh, that's a great closing topic. You know, from our standpoint, that was why we've incorporated this um, this input from rejectors, right? They're 25% of the index model. And we know that, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why customers don't buy that, you know, frankly, they don't really hold it against the dealer, right? I may shop a specific model and it's just not a fit for me. And, you know, in that instance, the customer, you know, they buy something else. They don't hold it against the dealer. Next time they're in the market, they may they may shop that dealer and brand again. But um, we know that the customer experience comes into that a lot. And in that instance, you know, not only do you lose the customer that time, you're probably not likely to see that customer again. And what's what's interesting to me is that I think the immediate perception is, well, if the customer experience wasn't good, it must have been that, you know, there was too much sales pressure. And, you know, honestly, in in this environment, that just, that really happens very infrequently, right? This idea of sales pressure is, is pretty mild. It's usually more likely that you know, really double the sales pressure incidents where customers are, will indicate, look, the, one of the reasons I didn't buy from a dealer is they never followed up with me. So it's the challenge of, you know, how are we managing leads? How are we managing customers that are either interacting with us online through text, phone, chat, and then we're not keeping in touch with those customers and, you know, we're they're dropping off there. It's like, it's surprising how many customers don't buy just because they felt like, the retailer at some point just didn't follow up with them anymore and they made other options and opted to buy somewhere else. Chris, such interesting insights on how consumers are satisfied or not with their shopping experience. Congratulations on another year of terrific insights with the study. And thank you for joining me again on the show and sharing uh, the insights that you're, that you're uncovering with this year's effort. Yeah. Fantastic, Steve. Thanks for having us on today. Really appreciate the, uh, the time. That's Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 10th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.